this morning, these are gifts. We don't give man, and we don't give to Christ's chapel or the assemblies of God. It's unto you, O Lord, that we ask that you would receive uh, these, our tithes to you and our offerings, that they might further the gospel message and the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask my wife this morning uh, to read the text. It's rather a lengthy text, and this is kind of like a preacher's secret. If you read a whole lot of text, then you feel like you're just talking so very much, and it's no really different. It's psychological, I guess, and she reads better than me, too. So um, y'all stand with us and turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 13. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. I'm looking at Christy over here because she and I were marathon readers in Sunday school this morning, so I know she knows where I am right now. So 1 Kings uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 34 out of the Amplified Bible. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Jeroboam stood by the altar to to burn incense. The man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord. O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And on you shall he offer the priests of the high places who burn incense on you. And men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be split, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. This was fulfilled in Second Kings 23, 15, and 16. When King Jeroboam heard the words, the man of God cried against the altar in Bethel, he thrust out his hand, saying, Lay hold on him, and the hand he put forth against him dried up so that he could not draw it back again. The altar also was split, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king said to the man of God, Entreat now the favor of the Lord, your God, your God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored. And the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored and became as it was. And the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. And the man of God said to the king, If you give me half your house, I will not go in with you, and I will not eat bread or drink water in this place. For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, You shall eat no bread or drink no water or, or drink water or, or return by the way you came. So he went another way and did not return the way he came to Bethel. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all about the man of God and what he'd done that day in Bethel. The words which he'd spoken to the king, they also told their father. Their father asked them, which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God who came from Judah had gone. And he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. And so they saddled the donkey and rode it on and rode on it. And he went after the man of God, and he found him sitting under an oak, and he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. And then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. He said, I may not return with you or go in in with you, neither will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For I was told by the word of the Lord, You shall not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way that you came. He answered, I'm a prophet also, as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. And so the man of Judah went back with him and ate and drank water in his house. And as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who brought him back. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, Thus saith the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command which the Lord commanded you, but I have come back... Let's see. But I have come back, and you have eaten the bread and drunk the water in the place of which the Lord said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. And after the prophet of the house had eaten bread and drunk, he saddled the donkey for the man 
for the man he had brought back. And when he'd gone, a lion met him by the road and slew him, and his corpse was cast in the way. And the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. And behold, men passed by and saw the corpse thrown in the road and the lion standing by the corpse. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. When the prophet who brought him back from the way When the prophet who brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, Is it the man of God who is disobedient to the word of the Lord? And therefore the Lord has given him to the lion, which he has torn him and slain him according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. And he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it, and he went and found the corpse thrown in the road, the donkey and the lion standing by the body. And the lion had not eaten the corpse or torn the donkey. The prophet took up the corpse of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back. And the old prophet came into the city to mourn and bury him. And he laid the body in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And after he buried him, he said to his sons, When I'm dead, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. And after this thing, Jeroboam turned not from his evil way, but made priests for the high places again from among all the people. And whoever would, he consecrated that there might be priests for the high places. And this thing became the sin of the dynasty of Jeroboam that caused it to be abolished and destroyed from the face of the earth. Let's pray together. Lord, I just humble myself before you. Um, If it were not for your mercy, I would be consumed. And we ask you today, O Lord, to speak a clarion word to us for this hour in which we're living for us as individuals, for a family, and as a nation. Lord, I know for myself I would rather hear a word of warning and rebuke from your lips than rivers of praise from the lips of carnal men. Show me where I stand, O Lord. Show me uh, your ways and your righteous paths. Illuminate my soul today, O Lord, and may we leave with nothing between us, no such disobedience and no such destruction, I pray. In your son's name, I ask for that anointing today. Amen. You may be seated this morning, and thank you, Kelly. In the West today, there is a false religion that is not creeping up. It's sweeping the land. It's one that is... Man-focused, it originates with man, it's empowered by man, and it culminates in the glory of man. No mention of the God of the Old Testament. You know, it's like they paint the God of the Old Testament as an angry, mean-spirited God, and uh, the God of the New Testament, Jesus, is happy-go-lucky, friend of sinners. Well, it's the same person. And if there was a generation that focused only upon the holy, sovereign, judging God, that generation has passed. There's now a uh, trend of no fear for the Lord, no fear of the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean that you're walking around like this waiting for God to smite you at any minute, but there's a fear that is the beginning of wisdom. And if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord then the Lord lifts us up and we fear no other person. There's so many, this passage, you you could do a series out of it, and I'm going to try just to give you the highlights and go search it out. But here is a man of God, a man that God validated, a man that God endorsed, a man that God used. God called him a man of God. And we find him dead in the street because God smote him. There's a seriousness when we change the word and ways of God to fit us. And God will not stand for it. That's the height of arrogance. It's a 
uh, proof of ignorance, and it comes disguised as presumption. For just a few moments, I want to talk to you about three different uh, people and apply that to where we are in the world and make sure that there's no evil heart of unbelief in us and departing from the living God, that we do not change, dilute, pollute, or exaggerate the word of God. But if God said it, he is, he is perfectly competent enough to know what he wants to communicate. And we can't change the ways of God, the laws of God, the expectations of God. I want to speak to you about a godless king, a compromised prophet, and a deceived believer. The title of the message this morning, make sure I have it right, The Deception and Destruction of the Righteous. That title alone makes me uneasy. The Deception and Destruction of the Righteous. Don't let it be lost on you that this righteous man who had the smile of God, the commission of God, and God validated him with signs following. Don't let it be lost on you that he was killed by a lion. Because your adversary is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour to consume. First of all, let's look at this godless king. And this is a type of those in authority. Seats of power. Positions of influence. Controller of the masses. We have that in government. We have that in corporations. We have that in spiritual hierarchies. A godless king. Just because they use the name of Jesus does not mean they're godly. A godless king. A presumptuous king. Raising his opinion past that of God's law. The man of God came and pronounced judgment on this king. He cried against the altar. The altar that this man, Josiah, had raised up. First of all, it's not a king's place to be a priest. Only Jesus was both. Priest and king. But this man raised up an altar and he built, and we'll get to this in just a moment, but he he made golden calves and told them, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. And they would sacrifice on these man-made altars. I'm deciding where I worship. I'm deciding how I worship. I'm deciding what I worship. And in the end, I'm going to call it God. And he cried, this prophet cried against the altar of God and said that it would be broken and the ashes of these false prophets would be burned there. That's what the world, that's what the government, governments, uh, false prophets, religious uh, hierarchy is doing today. They're, They're changing God's path to himself They're changing the identity of God, making him just like unto us, except a little more supernatural. That all roads lead to God. They're changing the path of salvation, the plan of salvation, and a bloodless gospel where Christ did not needs die and he most assuredly is not the the centerpiece of all that it's supposed to be because within all of us, they say, within all of us is that God dynamic, that God power presumptuous king, raising his opinion past that of God's law. And here's here's where it comes through the most, where you can see how godless he was. He was an accommodating king. When the kingdom was divided and controlled, and the king here, Jeroboam, controlled the northern part, he stopped all the pilgrimages to Jerusalem. So stay with me. God had commanded That they would come at different times of the year with different feasts and different expressions to Jerusalem. Josiah, who was head of this northern tribe, stopped the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Listen to this. This this is so simple but profound. He said in 1 Kings 12 to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, Israel, that brought you out of Egypt. The golden calf, he set one up in Bethel, and the other in Dan. And this thing that the king did became a sin. And the people came to worship the one at Bethel and went as far as Dan to worship the other. So it is today. We have preachers, pastors, so-called apostles and prophets that the theme of this generation is it's too much for you what God expects. 
It's too much for you uh, to, to meet the expectations and plans that God has for you. I will construct a religion that shapes itself around you. No inconvenience to you. I want to make it easier for you. Our churches swell under the preaching. It's too much for you. Let me make it easier. I saw a cartoon years ago, and this is not an anti-coffee statement. I don't drink coffee. I happen to drink Diet Mountain Dew. It's not a drug. It's not a drug. I, I, don't, drink, I don't drink coffee. But it showed, uh, a cartoon was drawn where it showed Moses at the burning bush, barefoot holding a coffee. That's where we are today. We believe we can just approach him in any way, and we gravitate to, we heap to ourselves teachers that say, oh, that's too much for you. Let's make it easier. This isn't what this message is about, but I, I just want to tell you, and you can agree or disagree, but it's a symptom. It's a shame that when it's time to begin worship in this house at 10 a.m., 10% of the people are in this sanctuary. It's a shame. You can get mad with me. You can tell me all the different reasons. I, I understand. It's a respect issue. You don't owe me nothing. You, you don't owe me anything. But it's just too much for us. You know, we can get up at 5 o'clock to go to work and can't be at God's house at 10 or at 9 for the, for the teaching of the Word of God. It's, it's just a, a light atmosphere. Now, I'm not talking about a legalism. I'm talking about that which we've lost that's made us powerless and we cater. There'll be someone that leaves because I said that today. I had someone left one time. They told me, said, you just keep talking about being here on time. I said, it's not about punctuality. It's about being prepared. And said, I tell you what, if I don't get the makeup on, if my shirt ain't pressed, I'm going to be there for the first note and tell the Lord, I got up this morning and I wanted to be in my place standing with a heart ready to worship you. Oh, it's too much for you. Hey, just come when you won't. Bring your donuts in. Come in flip-flops. You know, you don't even have to bathe. It's bathe, you know, optional. Just come on. You can tell I'm trying to grow a local church, can't you? <laughs> Listen, it's too much of you to live under lordship. Talk about the Jesus that died, but don't talk about the one that rules and reigns, not just in heaven, but at the throne of your heart. It's too much for you to live a life of self-denial and this die daily. I want my best life now. The power of I am. I can just say the words, I am, and whatever I want to put after that has to be. It's too much to say, if you would come after Jesus, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. It's too, it's too much. It's too much to live in the world and not love it. It's too much to forcibly separate yourself from its pleasures and its vices. It's too much to walk in the narrowness of God's path in doctrine, in practice, in relationships, in priorities. It's too much to pursue righteousness and purity of life, thought and actions. It's too much to, to say, you know, you, you shouldn't be shacked up with that person before you get married. Well, we can't, we can't afford. No. Come on. Come on. No, what you have to do is you have to pay the two rents and live poor like everybody else. Well, it's not like that. Oh, I know what it's like. Come on. To look the other way when our friends are participating in immorality and, and, and not care for their dying. So it's too much. Let's just create one where we see nothing, say nothing, do nothing, and let our friends go to hell. Well, I just don't believe that. Well, let me just give you some scripture. To, by the way, this morning's message is just straight. Okay? For this reason, does the wrath of God fall upon the children of disobedience? And be not deceived, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, those that are proud, blasphemers, those that are abusers of people, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
well, I'm in a homosexual relationship and I care. I didn't say you didn't care. I didn't say you weren't sincere. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, the Lord knows our heart. We're just living together to save money. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. We must have a repentance about us. And it's not to get no Pastor John's approval. You don't need my approval. You don't need a handshake. Shaking my hands like shaking a donkey's tail. It doesn't help you at all. But there must be about us an alignment that says, You're the Lord. You're the Lord. And to follow after you, it's just too narrow. Let's just create one where we can all live like hell all week and come in and sing How Great Thou Art on Sunday. And the preacher says, we're all good. Your heart is supposed to convict you. And we are filling our churches with ministers that silence the the conviction in our heart by saying, it's too much, it's too much. Just come on. Let's all come together and have us, you know, a potluck supper. I want, hey, listen, if you're my friend, I want you to tell me you're not where you used to be. John, the Lord's coming. Get ready. Get right. Live pure. It's just too much for you. No, it's not. It's a narrow pathway, and narrow pathways lead to specific destinations. I'm on my way to Zion. The beautiful city of Zion. I'm on my way to the city of the living God. Be careful. We are not people of the crowd. We are people of the Christ. It's too much. It's too much to allow myself to be changed into God's image when I can so easily change him into mine. It's too much to travel to Jerusalem to worship in God's truth. I'll just worship in my truth. God is a spirit, and those of us that choose to worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Somewhere along the way, we thought that worship him in spirit meant sincerity. You can be a sincere fool. Sincerity is not spirit. It means that if God is a spirit, my worship of him must originate by his spirit in me. And it must be in accordance with truth. Truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. And no such thing as your truth. Do you realize how ridiculous that is? Well, that's just my truth. Well, try that with gravity. It's just my truth that gravity is not all that it's supposed to be. Try milking a bull. I'm serious. Do you realize how insane we've gotten? We're ordaining illicit, perverted men and saying they are ministers. We're letting the church go whatever way they want. And it comes, here's the spirit, and I I trust I'm saying it right. It's just too much. It's too much. How can I make it easier for you? And how can you make it easier for me so we can all live carnally and say, these be our gods? When Moses went on the Mount of God to get the, the, the law and he came back down and Aaron had fashioned golden calves, isn't it funny that the people were dancing around naked? Or isn't it odd? Or is it? Nakedness, immorality, especially sexual immorality, is the evidence of false faith. It's one of the evidences. I, I, perversion of heart, mind, soul, body. When Moses come down, if I remember the story correctly, didn't he melt down those false gods and sprinkle them in water and make them drink it? I'm asking today, as a fellow traveler in the faith, do your gods look more like something that your hands have made than it does the God of the Bible? A godless king will make it easy for you. Now, having said that, I just want to address this very quickly. Some of us grew up in very legalistic. uh, Some of you experienced, you know, where everybody was going to hell every week. 
I, I remember going in church and the guy's preaching on hell and his veins coming up on his head, you know, and he's screaming and I'm thinking, I think he wants me to go there. I, I really do, you know. There was everything was law and law and damnation. That's not what this is. This is a, a, a genuine fear of the Lord when I see myself according to the law and I'm guilty and I bow myself before him and I repent and I turn away. Then the rest of my life I live with my arms by my side, my shoulders square, my head raised because if God does not condemn me, there's no condemnation. There's no judgment. There's no fear. Since I feared the Lord, I don't fear anything else. God's not waiting in heaven to smite you. He smote Jesus for you. That we could, through repentance, receive that which we could not obtain through the law. We can't live perfectly. None of us can. But we can have a perfect heart. The king of this land, the, the spiritual authorities in place, this is their mantra. It's too hard for you. Let me make it easier. The goal of the preacher is not to make it hard. The goal of the preacher is to repeat the words of God. To repeat the words of God. Number two, a compromised prophet. Before we get to the deceived believer, the Bible says there was no prophet in the land. One who had ceased hearing from the Lord because he stopped speaking for the Lord. How can that prophet be in the land and they are burning incense to gold-fashioned calves? And it's not just that. It's they said, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. What a slap in the face of God. This man-made expression is what saved you and what delivered you. How could this prophet live there and be quiet. How can you work there and be quiet? Because it cost to stand up. It cost to stand out. It cost to speak up. And I think that's part of the reason Jesus says, when the Son of Man cometh, will he even find faith in the earth? This prophet knew when he, when he saw the king setting up these places, if I go against this trend, I'm unemployed. And I've got tenure now in the church, and I can't lose my pension and my Social Security and everything and our 501c3. And the, you know, I can curb back and just be quiet. The problem is when a prophet or a believer stops speaking for the Lord, they stop hearing from the Lord. That's good. This prophet was one who had no problem lying in God's name and place. Just told the man of God, yeah, an angel of the Lord appeared to me and said for you to come back. And it's just one, one type here. Listen, if you can overlook evil, you can lie to cover it. Don't lie. Tell me the truth. Does this suit make me look big? Yes. 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 This compromised prophet had a supernatural anointing and influence, but it wasn't divine. You tell me. I'm not telling you. You tell me. How is it? How is it that a man-centered gospel based on secular humanism and the power and light within, how can those churches have 50 and 60,000 people in them? And a man in his 70s who's been preaching for 50 years who knows Jesus personally and preaches the word of God had 10 or 11. You tell me. When you can hear a nugget come from that man, just one word that would change your destiny because it's too hard. And he's not, watch, that man, the older man, he's not preaching for us. He's preaching for God. And I don't like it. It's not hardly a Sunday goes by, somebody don't leave. I want to just say sometimes, can you tell me what part, at least, where you leaving? I have to joke about it because it grieves. I don't want to be that person. But you're not going to stand on the last day in front of a, an angry, righteous judge and say, Pastor John didn't tell me. That one ain't going to stick on me. 
this compromised prophet was more than willing to sacrifice the righteous for the sake of the unrighteous. Why was he trying to get him to come back home? Was it just, hey, there's another prophet, you know, we do the same thing, like inviting buddies with the same field, you know, come, no, it wasn't that. The man of God had pronounced judgment upon the altar, upon the king, and by not even going home the same way and having fellowship, he said, everything about this is cursed by God. So if this old prophet can bring him back and the townspeople see that he came back, then maybe not, God's not as mad with us as he said he is. It's to dilute the judgment of God. If you build a calf to change the person of God, you'll surely invite a man of God to your house to dilute the pronouncement of judgment of God. He wanted to change. See, it, you it, once you start down this slope, you can't stop. We change who God is. We change what God says. God pronounces judgment. We can change that. We can change that until we get a religion that fits us, that damns us. People will come and ask, pray for me, pray for me about their sin. I said, no. You think I'm a mediator between you and God? You fall on your face and say, be merciful unto me, a sinner, O oh God, and you find him meet you and him give you a grace that restores and, and heals you. I ain't got time. I don't care how good you, that, that's part of it too. Jason, when you were talking about the difference today between soul tired and physically tired, I don't need you to make me, I don't need a preacher to make me feel better about myself. I don't need one to beat me up either. I need you to turn the mirror so I can see where I'm at. Let me and God talk about this. Preach the word. Let the conviction of the Holy Spirit address me. Let me find repentance and receive grace. This compromised prophet, please listen to this statement was able through his words to bring a man of God to nothing. I don't know how to tell you any more plainly. Preachers that I grew up listening to that discipled me from a distance watching on television and playing their sermons, I can't even listen to them anymore. I'm not taking away from that which they did before. I'm not judging their heart. I'm saying they're now not preaching from the Bible. Christ is not the center, and it's another spirit. And if I listen to a compromised prophet, I'll wind up being judged by God. How is it that the man of God died before the old prophet died? Because you knew better. We knew better. We knew better. And God was going to show this land how serious he was about righteousness. And the time has come right before Christ's return that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if the righteous are scarcely saved, where will the ungodly be? This is a hard message for visitors today. And say, like, welcome to Christ's chapel. That guy was. <laughs> and number three, let's talk about the man of God. And I want to ask you, are you a man of God? Of God, are you a woman of God? Well, directly it applied to him, but aren't the lessons applicable to us as well? Okay, watch. He was a common man. Didn't even mention his name, no title. Oh, I thank the Lord that I was delivered years ago with just a childlike understanding that I don't need titles. Pharaoh had a title, Moses had a testimony. The fact that God called him a man of God. <laughs> they say John is a man of faith. He's a man of the Lord. He's a man of the, that, that right there. But he's common. There are people in this pew. You're convinced somehow that being on the stage makes somebody better than someone in the chairs. They ain't got nothing to do with it. Titles mean nothing. Titles mean nothing. Go to a restaurant where it says customer service is our main priority. Get on, I was on the phone the other day with someone, uh, a business, two hours and 12 minutes. 
Thank you for your patience. Your call is important to us. No, it's not. No, it's not. Due to unexpected call volume. Time out. If it was unexpected, then why do you have an announcement made professionally to tell me that the thing is late? You must have foreseen that you didn't have enough employees because you paid someone to make the announcement that plays every 30 seconds for the last two hours. Hey, truth, truth will set you free, man. I just would be so encouraged to say, hey, thanks for holding. We obviously don't care much about you at all. You're a number, and we're going to get to you when we can. I at least know what I'm dealing with. Yeah. This believer was a common person, but he had uncommon consecration. He was a commissioned man. He was a courageous man. What kind of courage does it take to go up to a king who is not afraid of God, much less you, and stand and say, thus saith the Lord God. Some of us in this last hour, to be what we're supposed to be, it's going to cost us. It's going to take courage to stand up and say, no, there aren't 57 genders. No, there's two. In the beginning, God created male and female. He created them. He created them. Jesus can't be the only way to the Lord. There is only one name under heaven, named among men, whereby we must be saved. Yes, it's Jesus. Yes. He was a powerful man that God endorsed. Now, some of y'all, this is no big deal to you, but I, this is, the, I guess, the carnal part of me. I liked it when, the, when he raised up, at, went to grab the man of God, and his arm withered up. I just thought that, I like that. He goes to grab the man of God. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, when a man says, I ain't got a title, but I got that right there. You know, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Grab me with the other hand. That's, that's what my mind's saying. And there is a deliverance and a defense that God will bring, not every time. Because sometimes we honor him with sufferings and persecutions and alienation. Sometimes we honor him that way, and other times he just shrivels their arm up. I've seen the tongue shrivel up in the head. You'll get that later. Let them cuss. Let them talk about you. When it's time to defend, God will defend. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So here's a man, I want you to get the picture, a courageous man, a common man with uncommon consecration, a man that God validated. He didn't even ask him to help him. He withered the man's hand up. This is just like the world, all cocky and brazen till God moves. So here he is with his drawn up nub, you know, and he goes, yeah, uh, ask your God to fix this. Wait a minute, time out, freeze. Everybody just freeze. I thought you said God's right here. Wasn't he there in front of the fake golden calves and the stuff there at the altar? Why are we here? It's the same God that brought us up out of Egypt. So you mean ask a different God than the one you're tricking the people with? He said, pray, ask your God to heal him. And he did, and the man's arm went back. So he wasn't a man that had to win. And he wasn't a man that had to see his enemies crushed. He let God do the judging. He just did the truth. He just did the truth. We don't, we don't glory in God's judgment on someone. We don't get to tell God what to do or how to. He prayed for him. But he's like, you own, you own if God decides to do it or not. He was a merciful man, leaving the vengeance to God. And he was a targeted man. And this will bring this towards a close here. It was after his refusal. The king was going to reward him for uh, the healing of his arm. And he wanted to get his endorsement. And the man said, I am not going back with you. God told me I couldn't even look at the disdain of God for this system. He said, I can't even go up the same road I came in on. So he separated himself, got towards out of town, stopped under a big tree, because in Palestine at that time around, there's not a lot of trees, and he was resting. And 
It's just like the devil to target you. And this is for those of you that walk with the Lord today. You're right, you're right with him. Your heart's right with him. Don't think just because you're out of town that you're out of sight. That the devil can't get to you. And he's targeting you. He's targeting you. If he can't get you with the lustful immorality, if he can't get you with the love of money, if he can't get you with the false religion, he'll get you with a false anointing and a false prophet. So he told him to come back. He said, God said, I can't come back with you. He said, oh, well, an angel of the Lord appeared to me last night and told me that you were to come back with me. Please listen to this pastor. If myself or anyone else tells you anything that contradicts the word of God, I and or they are liars. Liars. Well, Pastor John would know he's been preaching 40 years. You know, don't trust your soul to another man. Don't, don't trust your soul to anyone that would contradict the word of God. How did this man of God be deceived? Well, I'm sure he was tired. I'm sure there was an, uh, uh, an anticlimactic dynamic to performing, performing the word of the Lord. Sis, if you would come, Lisa. I'm sure that he was uh, not expecting it. But there is part of it for all of us. This is one of the things I'm most embarrassed of as a, as a pastor. Early in my faith, and I think I said this to you a couple weeks ago. I've searched my heart. I asked the Lord. It, it feels to me that this is as honest as I can be. I just thought if books were in the Christian bookstore, they were Christian. And I'd put them out in the foyer and I would, you know do a staff study on them, and I was so young in the Lord, I didn't have the discernment to see the things that I see today, and I didn't have people over me to help me. And this old prophet played on him. He said, you know, in essence, you're, you're new at this thing. I've been at it a while. And God wants you to come back with me. So he came back, and he's eating with the prophet, drinking. Uh, the old prophet is no longer a prophet of God. But the anointing of God comes on him and the old prophet pronounces judgment on the man of God. He said, you shouldn't have disobeyed the word of the Lord. And so he left. And as he left, you know that man of God knew he wasn't making it home. And a lion came out of nowhere and slew him. He didn't devour him. He killed him. And so when the man of God died, the donkey sitting or standing there beside it and the lion. So the lion's not attacking the donkey. The donkey's not leaving in fear. And there's the dead man. So the old prophet goes and gets him. Oh, the old prophet goes and gets him and brings him back into town. Can you imagine what this, just bear with me just a minute more here, what this looked like. So here's this old man on this donkey and this dead man draped across the back, head on one side, legs on the other, just bouncing. Wasn't it just yesterday or this morning or yesterday evening where he come in and pronounced judgment and here he is dead. And then at his funeral, if you and I, I'm skipping towards this. Right before his funeral, as the old prophet brings him into town, I wonder if the people are thinking, if God didn't spare him, why would God smite that man of God to wake up the world, to save others? Paul said, when some of you take communion, that's why some of you are sick and others have died. Because you don't discern the body of the Lord and you just feel like you can play with me. And I'm not to be played with. That man died in the street. And here's the donkey and the lion saying, this was a supernatural thing. At the funeral... The old prophet said, alas, my brother. Alas, look what your life has come to. 
You started out so well, but you ended so tragically. Alas, my brother, you knew the voice of God, but you substituted it with the voice of a man. Alas. Alas, my brother, you passed the test of evil and darkness, but you fell for one who appeared as an angel of light. Alas. Alas, my brother, had you just stayed close to God, true to his word, faithful to his commands, no one could have harmed you. But what the devil could not do, you did to yourself, bringing upon yourself the very judgment of God. Why does God put stories like this in the Bible? Why does Ananias and Sapphira fall dead in church and they drag them out by their feet? So that we won't play with him. This ain't about church membership. This ain't about me being in your business, telling you who to date and where to work. It's, it's, it's reshaping God and his word to fit carnal reasonings. And it doesn't matter where the crowd worships. And it doesn't matter what the false prophet says. You know his voice. You know his word. And if everybody says we're allowed to do it and we know his word says we can't, we choose his word. Prophets will lie. Kings will lie. They'll open houses of worship and they'll swell with people. Everybody that didn't go to Jerusalem went to this church at Dan and Bethel. Packed house. Money coming in. And God's angry for the glory that's been stolen from him. Pastor, why did you preach this today? Are you looking for my repentance? I'm not looking for anything from you. I'm telling you so you can go examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. If there's any wicked way in you, you say, God, I repent of it. I, re I repent. I, I confess it. I turn and I walk with, I wash my hands of you, of it, of that. I'm not a judge of those preachers I used to listen to. Many of them forgot as much Bible as I know. I'm, I, I just, I can't, you, you changed who he was and I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't do that with you anymore. And in this last hour, we need to make sure that every fiber of the fabric of our soul is attached to truth, the love of the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. No darkness, no light, no, no lies, no golden calves, no how can you make it easier for me. If God says to worship him with my affections, then I will. If God wants me to worship him with my resources and my time, I will. If God wants me to be light and salt, I will. If he wants me to be in full-time ministry, I will. I will do what he requires of me to do. Now, because of my insecurities and humanity and weakness, if any part of this came across and it felt like John... You ain't got to listen to that. Just, but you do have to listen to his word. What if God's in heaven now? Look, you know, he's so powerful. He can read everyone's heart at one time and it would be as if it was only one person. And he's looking to see what you're going to do with this word. What are you going to do with it? There should be a reverence born from today that makes me walk a little softer so that I can repent and then walk more confidently than I ever have before. Would you stand with me this morning? of us have room for repentance but if you're away from God this morning you, you're a believer you know it you, I, I am away from God very quickly I just want to open this altar up for you to come and kneel so I, I got his spirits on me I have to I have to if that's you would you come
Brother John, I'm, I'm not a Christian. I don't call myself a Christian. But I believe there's no covering for my sin. And I'm asking Jesus Christ to be my Savior today. And I'm repenting of my life. And I'm turning away from it. I'm turning towards Him. If that's you, I want you just to come. Anyone? I'll wait just a moment more. Saints, would you look this way? There's no part of this day, I believe, that made God happy. That he smote that man that he loved. But he's serious about his glory and his word. And about the worship of people that he paid for with the blood of his son. Make sure that if he tells you to go to Jerusalem, you, that's, that's the path you go. No man religion. It's Christ alone that we worship and serve. Amen. Father, thank you for this day, for the power of your word. Um, I know it was a, a strong word today, Lord, but we need a strong word because evil's strong in this last hour. Help us to draw closer to you than we've ever been before. Nothing in between. Nothing between us, Lord. Nothing between us, Lord. And may great grace be upon us as we look for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Tonight in the grill, part three in the 180 degree Christian, uh, Pastor Jason will be going over that lesson with you tonight. So we'll see you in the grill.